2: What's going on, freaks? Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast, and I call you freaks because you are, or at least you you know, freaky, or maybe you like to get freaky a little bit, so I'd like to tell you about Marriage Supply. Marriage Supply was started by some friends of ours, Candace and Katie, who did the Free Sex Podcast, and the point of it was to make a porn-free, clean-and-safe website for couples to find what they need and maybe stuff they wanted to try. So we're talking about sex toys, lube, stuff like that. And so, you know, we're trying to avoid porn and, and the nastier side of things. So we thought is great to promote and help. So go to marriagesupply.com. Maybe check out the screaming O-ring. That's just one thing you could check. Maybe that piques your interest just a little bit but uh, something we want to support and we're going to work on and talk about more on this show so there you go marriagesupply.com but today's show is officially sponsored by Quip Quip electric toothbrushes start at just $25 and you can get your first refill pack for free when you go to getquip.com slash badchristian and also butcher box today's show is sponsored by butcher box you can get two pounds of ground beef for free in every box plus $20 off your first box by going to butcherbox.com slash badchristian and entering the code badchristian at checkout. Okay, here we go. Oh, hell yeah, God showed up. I don't give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever fucking talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extroverted.
1: No, girl, it was my plan. I, I showed my you dad that. my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that. Three, two, one, Matt. Let's play a word association game. When I okay. say a word, you say the first word that pops in your head. But okay. sex, penis, sex, anus, sex.
2: mouth, Christian bagricipigas. Oh, that, that That's wasn't what I, you know, man. What was I supposed to say? You, A, hey, you just That's revealed a lot about you. I'm,
1: you know, you relied on my honesty there. You knew I would tell the truth, and there <laughs> yeah. I did. You revealed your deeper nature, which I think is honorable, my friend. You didn't hold back. you re- we're, t- we're the Bad Christian Podcast, and we are all about transparency and honesty. And I played a little game with you, a word association game, that revealed what you like to think about whenever you hear about by any body part mentioned.
2: <laughs> I, th- I just thought it was anytime anybody says a word. that w- I thought it was just pretty universal. But yeah, I guess they were body parts now that you mention it. Anyway, let's talk about honesty a little bit. That's the area that I'm becoming, it, you know, what's just so funny about it is I've always thought of myself as the honest person or something, you know? Yeah. And uh, and the more I think that and say that, the more I keep finding the, all the cracks in my own Ooh. bullshit. And the, the one of the things that makes me continue to see it uh, is this whole thing about working out and not drinking and all that kind of stuff, and it's 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 just really honestly, it's just so painful to be honest. Oh God! Here I am. Yeah. And and when, by the way, when people say to be honest and they answer a question, almost they're never almost never being honest. Like <laughs> almost
1: never. If you listen to it on podcast,
2: people do it all the time. I just do if it somebody
1: there. prefaces their statement mm-hmm. with, "Hey, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest with you." That means right. it, it, I mean, that seventy five percent chance they aren't. <laughs> it's not that it's a lie, but
2: it's it's definitely spin headed your way when you hear that phrase. So, yes. Uh. But it. But a lot. But here's the point the thing is it's mostly self-spin it's mostly self-excuses it's mostly self-dishonesty now i thought i've thought oh, yeah. my whole life that i'm some that i tell it like it is like every other jerk out there is <laughs> i have no filter i just tell it like it is or i'm trying to be honest everybody feels that way uh, but yeah. what people don't i thought i'm crusading out there for to be honest because other people are full of shit but the older you get it's you you're the one. You're the one yeah. full of shit, and I know it because all my excuses for not working out and all this other right. stuff. Now that I've been working out and not working out and not drinking, especially, it's like, oh man, oh man, I've been lying to myself so much. It's so clear now. And you were talking yeah. about that a, a little bit before, but I just want to break through and say, oh yeah, I'm always telling other people full of bullshit. Well, it's just me. And I imagine the farther you go the older you get if you're really getting anywhere that's what you're going to continue to find is the the yucky suspicion that i have about myself
1: yeah i've been uh similarly uh just especially since doing you know the bc69 challenge and all that stuff just been thinking about how strong an excuse is like it it like you would think that we as humans always want to feel like we're strong and we're going to overcome and we'll defeat the enemy and we can do this right. thing, you know, and you have this thing called hope and desire <laughs> and, you know, I mean, most of Twitter and Facebook and all this stuff is filled with people just saying there could be change and, and uh, you know, hope in this next better person and, you know, all this, even if it's get back to the way things used to be because they used to be good and now they're not because... We've been confused to where we can do it, and I realize so much of this is just excuses. Like I have unbelievable amount of excuses to stop me from doing lots of things, and the biggest ones, if I had to umbrella it all, is my success. Like I have excuses that really inhibit my own personal successes, success with my family, with career, with any you know health, any of this stuff, and they are just so juicy sweet. Is Which it, is it
2: though that they inhibit your success or since you're not going to be successful you go ahead and put the sabotage in
1: like is it to how do you slice that though I I thoroughly believe that even when you fail at something you, there is a an amount of success that you still have and nobody wants to recognize that so if you don't have the outcome of oh my gosh I started my own business and it was a huge success and I made millions of dollars then you know if you just Start your own business and it's okay, and you 're kind of doing it, but you don 't know for sure, and it's you know you got your low months and your high months I was talking to our friend Eli at the uh, at Emory Show last week, and uh, he was just saying you know he's over his own business, and there's just like crazy months where it looks, seems so good and he feels so great, and then there's a month where they have to lay people off mm-hmm. and, and and that makes you think i'm failure 'm a failure i'm not doing good, i'm all this stuff, but all of those are building upon where where you want to go and you can't negate if i go work out today and i can lift really heavy and then three you know uh, two weeks from now i can't lift that much for some reason there's that means my body's telling me something my brain's telling me something all this stuff i can't just use that the the less weight i'm able to push as a barometer of my success the bigger can you measure well then i would say hey why am i lifting less weight what is going on here? Is this a mental thing where I just not into it today? Is it a physical thing? Am I actually hurting my body by poor form when I'm lifting or something? There's a lots of possibilities that can give you answers to what's going on. And if that's the case, then next time, if I improve on that, then because of that failure, I'm actually going to be more successful the next time I go lift. And well, a cheesy yeah, example.
2: But now you're into a, a touchy territory which it makes sense to at least first or maybe only focus on internally and, before you And it's it hilarious outward.
1: that the Bad Christian Podcast is talking about lifting and not drinking I, know, I mean, I Oh God everybody's called us bro Christians forever now we're talking about like I gotta go get my pump on <laughs> I gotta get swole I'm talking about well,
2: my game. But it's not about that though games. It's about the introspective way that you think about yourself and not and so I think that's very fertile territory before you go telling everybody on Twitter how who, who's full of shit or not you gotta start with yourself. Yes. And the line that you're talking about this very fascinating is the one between the this concept of self-care yes. and self-love and not, not giving yourself an excuse and actually taking personal responsibility and pushing through and doing things right. that you might, wouldn't do or could excuse yourself for. So this is really tough territory when you talk about external people. But for you, sometimes you're not working out right or you're not doing your work for your job or preparing for your podcast correctly and the most insidious part about it is you don't want to do something you want to avoid something you want an escape you want whatever it is and the worst part about it is you only need the tiniest shred of a possible excuse for yourself oh
1: i know you know what i mean you're not
2: looking for the evidence and if it's over 50 percent you're not going to have this right. beer or go do that workout or pre- spend another right. hour preparing for the podcast. It's never, I've weighed all the evidence and it seems it would be better to do this thing versus this thing. Given my stated goals, you right. go, well, I was sick yesterday. Yeah. Like you just come up with something and you go, sound good to you. Yep. Sounds good to yeah. me. Okay.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and and that is not the same thing as the, the, the thing that people really love to do, which I'm, you know, honestly, Resistant to, which is this more of the self love, like self acceptance, like well, you did, it's okay, you did your best, or you don't, you deserve the day off, or, or I, I don't, I don't yeah. know, but sometimes it's, I know people, other people are hard on themselves, but what's the difference in being hard on yourself, and being hard on yourself in the good way, or what's the difference in right, accept, accepting who you are and accepting all your fucked up lazy bullshit. Well, I. That's not that's the thing. You can't put those in categories exactly. Right. But you know, like yeah. deep down, is it deep down you always knew the way you were with drinking and that has to change I mean, you always knew deep down or how would you describe that?
1: Uh, well, if we're talking about just about drinking, I think I probably the, the excuse I would say is, well, I'm on when most of the time my drinking involved is circled around being on the road with the band. Except so, for all the drinking you do at home. Well, I, I know, but most but I'm saying most of that way less drinking at home than I did mm-hmm. on the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that is true. Now, I still drink a lot at home, yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, I think where it started was uh I said, "Oh, well, we're on the road and I want to have some beers and it's fun to drink and it makes me more relaxed on stage. I'm a little less self-conscious about my weight or my, you know, or what I, what I'm thinking about." And which is true. There's some truth in that, like having a few beers and playing a show, I am a little bit more relaxed and less self-conscious about my voice or my body uh, on stage and people looking at those things and judging those things. But I use that little bit of truth, I think, to funnel in, uh, oh, wait, well, you know, if three beers works, maybe four beers works. If four beers works, maybe 17 beers works. I don't know. It goes on and on. And then it started definitely, I would say, infiltrating home life. Where I go, oh man, today's been a crazy day. I've been podcasting all day. I Had to write every song. I deserve some beer right. again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I deserve some beer. Now, at no time was did I ever think uh, I deserve better sleep or uh, less uh, less uh, drinking my calories or all that. Those things I didn't think I deserved those they, because yeah, the they're not as fun. Thing is
2: weird. I mean, what is it? I mean, who deserves what? I mean, based on what? I mean, that is just if you think about it like you're a person with stated goals like i'd like to lose weight i wish i right. drank less i would like to sleep better right what what's going on there when you say like why would you deserve uh, this thing that you're saying you don't want i mean the cognitive dissonance there is just it's just kind of high once you get down to
1: it right well what's it's hard your, for me it's hard for somebody like me because uh i am a big guy i'm 62 And I can carry 230 pounds pretty well. I I mean, I I look like a big guy, but, you know, even having now lost 30 or 40 pounds, I still feel like a big guy and I don't, I am still a big guy. Not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not even condemning myself here, but so the excuses end up facilitating. If I say I really want to lose weight, I go, well, yeah, but it's not that bad. That shirt still fits fine and you're not going to buy any new clothes anyway. And what's the big deal? And then I, I, and what are you trying to look like? You're 43 years old and you're a dad and you're all this stuff. And nobody, you know, I just, just, I and mean, I'm just talking about weight loss right now. When you go into the drinking thing, you just go, well, I mean, man, my, I'm tired. I, the, the deserve thing, getting back to that, is that you feel like you give so much that you should get a little something, right? Like, shit, I, <laughs> give, I give a lot. Like, I, I mean, I I, I do like, take but all. what is the type of action
2: that you could give that means you deserve beer? I like, agree. What, what is that? Give me an Example: of something you gave. Well, what did it, the hero give that he is going to get a beer for? You were nice to your kid. Instead of not, you drove to the store for your wife. You well, stayed it's the same on the thing. podcast. I mean, well, what?
1: well, let's put it in these terms. You're, you're talking about doing a point system with your diet. Like if yeah. you work out for 30 minutes, you can have one mm-hmm. serving of something. I think that's the same thing. It's, it boils down back to that where you go, wait a minute. If I work out for this long, I should be able to have some of the pleasure in my life that I think drinking is really fun and good. I like it. I drank beer this weekend. I enjoy. I'm not giving up alcohol. I think the difference is, uh, it it can infiltrate into more and more because daily you start going. I deserve something, as opposed to yeah. hey, I'm working hard. I'm doing this. This is a an a, a fun aspect of my life and a pleasure. The same way as you should be able to eat uh, a yellow cake with chocolate icing and a big old scoop of ice cream. Some that's not bad. In fact, that yeah. might be good for your mental health and your body. All those things yeah. like. Uh, but, but it seems w- like once it starts co- happening every day, that does that deserving thing happens where you, it starts happening regularly, as opposed to there's times where you need some self care and some self help. Now it, this is a whole other issue here too. I don't think people really understand self care, self help.
2: No, they I mean they're, they're distorted concepts, obviously. But what I'm saying is they don't. First of all, they don't land in a set of behaviors that are X or Y. Like they're not right. in one set or the other, and they're not universal they're in in fact they're down to the level of individual and even there who's the judge you yeah and how do you trust you and how much do you trust you because not none because there's all this stuff now that actually plays into this too that's like you should listen to your body you should develop your intuitions because in christianity we've been kind of stripped of that like oh you're wicked your heart is wicked you can't trust yourself i mean you've been programmed with that so there's some element of matt you're not even paying attention to your own intuitions and body here kind of a thing so being in touch with all that stuff but to have undergone a new level of discipline or had an awakening or a spiritual awakening. There's these times, and right now I think you were in you and I are in one of those times, and with the what, what you know, just what's been going on entirely personally and health wise and podcast wise has been really stressful and, and yeah. really caused some real change. But the truth is you've been through some difficult shit lately and put forth some real real effort in the midst of it, and now on the other side of that really hard stuff that did not feel like self care, but Punishment. Self punishment was what it felt like. Right. Uh you know something now that you didn't know before. Like when I used to see it, people that quit drinking, like my dad, I think yeah. poor sap. Yeah. <laughs> I think Bless his poor heart. guy like well i mean he has a heart uh, thing and the doctor yeah. told him not to and i mean to i'm sure any he anymore. could drink some and it would be fun but i guess it's easier for him to just not but right. i know he must miss it i don't want don't want, want, want to rub it in his face it sure would be fun to drink with my dad you know like that's right. the way i think about it yeah. but now i don't think that anymore because i know something that i didn't know before I, know. I didn't know what a lazy pussy i was that didn't think right. i could not do something because i thought i did, needed it or deserved it or it just was a habit or whatever like right. I was being soft on myself for years, yeah. And I, of course, I could do it. Of course, I right. could do this. And now it's easy to see. And now I take great pleasure, boastful pride in that I had right. one beer the other night and watched y'all drink more and didn't think a thing about it because I'm that good now. Which is overshooting <laughs> it on the other side. But I do know some. I have an actual knowledge now of what is possible right. and what I like. How self deceived I was. Yeah. I, I can. I now have that. And so. With, if you want to tie it in with a the theme of reconstruction here, I would say that in the way that I would put that terminology now would be something along the lines like I have awareness of a, of a higher level thing. I have knowledge yeah. of good and evil here. And so now the impulse to, do, to get that drink for that reason in that situation, I would now say is probably best described in the way that I grew up in the language that I natively understand as sin. Yeah, I know what that. I know what that is now. When I'm seeking this for X reason in that situation, yeah. I didn't know what it was before. I thought it was just something I deserved or something I wanted or something that was arguably good or bad either way. You know that kind of thing. But there was something I can feel that was there before. But now I understand that voice or that thing or whatever. But the bad news is it's always going to be, oh yeah, you're going to have to be harder on yourself here. But the good news is you can do it. Right. You just can do it doesn't matter if it's been a decade or if you already weigh 300 pounds or uh you've been it, it doesn't really it is that's what you don't want to believe that it, you right. can do something different that's what yeah. you don't want to believe that, that but that you book can. you
1: say you're gonna write that thing you know that yeah. thing that you're going to yeah. do there's there's a million reasons and the the other the other thing here though I believe is that the excuses have some truth in them they actually are revealing you don't really want to go work out you know what I mean like you don't maybe you right. don't like you so it, you actually would rather sit and just be kind of sad or upset about your body or your state. That's life, what you choose job. Yeah. Like, you like it, that. that. you actually kind of like it. You're drawn yes. to that. Well, you know what? It's really hard to go work out and I just don't want to do all that. Or I, you know, I, I wish th- this job fucking sucks, but if I could, you know, what else am I going to do? I'm not going to get anywhere. You know, I, I can't go back to school. I can't, you know, apply for this job. I'm not, you, you give yourself all these things and it keeps you where you're at, which is safe. But you, exactly you, but where you're at is safe because you got yourself there and you deserve
2: responsibility for your situation is that's the thing nobody wants to hear I'm not saying fault though I'm not even giving judgment right. and that's the issue if you can get rid of guilt which I'm not big yes, on guilt I at all. swear to you everybody thinks uh, that I'm saying things are good or bad or right and wrong I, I swear to you I'm the least judgmental person that you know I'm just analyzing it through statistical frames and right. you know that's the way I feel in my head but it is true that your situation of whatever it is that you think we're talking about right now that you've cooked up in your head because I didn't say it. So you know what we're talking about because it's you thinking about you right now. Right. I, I don't know what the
1: details are. Everybody right? listening thinking about it. You that. know what is the that.
2: thing is that you're talking about for you. And it's probably not the exact same thing that I'm talking about for me, but you know what it is. Right. This, that's your personal responsibility. You did choose this and you do like it the way it is. That's what I'm trying to say. You yeah. get something out of it the way it, I know you're miserable because of whatever. I know you don't think you deserve whatever, but this is you. This yep. is what you are like. Yes, there's other factors, yep. and it's different for other people. And some people are ways that aren't good, and they know they aren't good. And that's when it gets really that's where right. I totally will back off with somebody is because yeah. there are some ways of being that I don't understand. I don't have a valid experience with, and it is, it might, to look at my demons, another spiritual reconstructed term, uh, would be, they're not, it's, maybe it's not that scary or hard compared to other people's. I get that. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I overcome yeah. what? L- I, I, right. Drinking less beer? Working right. out something? I mean, it's not a big deal. It felt like right. a big deal, but it's. I know it's the same thing, but if I was way worse off. If I'd had childhood trauma, if I'd had this, if I was if depressed, if I was anything else, well, it wouldn't be so easy. I understand that. So it's not, this isn't judgment, but I am right. saying everything that makes your situation the way your situation is, those things are all you. That This is, the way you have your life organized is the way you have your life organized. And there are many bad things about yours as like I feel like there are with mine, but they do fall within Uh, largely the way I've decided to arrange. And a lot of that's to cope with things that are out of my control. Right. That's true, too. But, you know, that's scary territory to go in because it sounds like you're harassing people. But, that's where the hope is because if you can just, you don't have to be honest with everybody in the world, but you probably can be a little more honest with yourself. Yeah. Uh, And I didn't, I wasn't able to see some of that until I was able to make a habit and actually do something for 69 days in a row. Right. And then you realize, oh, it's just, the situation and the habit are this way. And so, And if you've been working on your habit for 30 years or whatever, or just the way right. you deal with stuff or the way you do emotionally, then, yeah, I mean, it, it'll, it'll be, it's going to be pretty severe, but you could take little chips. I mean, it it, it it there's things that are conquerable, but to me, it seems to all lie in that space uh, like, you know, how David Goggins is that guy that runs that yeah, yeah. was on Joe Rogan and stuff. And he's just so brutal. Like, I think usually I use him as I'm not that tough guy that tells everybody what they can do and, to, to, you know, go do harder work and stuff. I'm, I'm a lot lazier than that, but I'm inspired by that is what I would yeah. say. And he says, if people say that they have injuries or it's not healthy to do this, like, oh, come on. These are all he, he really goes hard at everything being some excuse. Um, and I'm not ready to do anything beyond what I'm able to do right now, but I recognize that thing, that excuse thing. And it's like, what do you, is excuses a thing that we just all choose to accept, but we all know they're all bullshit. Like if you're a teacher and kids come in the class, they have excuses, you know? Yeah. But why would you even, I mean, couldn't we just, wouldn't it be better if there just weren't excuses? Like, well, you just didn't, you didn't do your homework Okay, it's just, it just is what it is. You didn't do it. I'm not mad. It has the following consequences. I don't care if uh, what the situation is of how you didn't do it, though. Like, not interested. Let's just stick to what is and what consequences are and and also remove judgment (laughs) and shame from that. It's just, okay, this equals this. I don't need to know why. It doesn't matter. And I don't think you're bad because of it.
1: Okay. I think, uh, self excuses or, I think, look at it this way. It, it almost seems as if, uh, Donald Trump is the bad thing in all of us and it's now revealing and we can't, we weren't able to stop it and we did nothing about it. And then it it just gained complete control of everything. It kind of makes sense. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like he's full of excuses. He's like, he's the the prime example. When you you think about your excuse and what you deserve and how, how, you know, what you are or whatever that that's that little donald trump voice inside of you he's saying, just the best yeah, at it yeah uh, and it, he's
2: it, the manifest of all of our right. bullshit yeah
1: together. it really yeah. is and yeah. so it, of course it rose to power because we gave it power you give those you give the thing that is trying to avoid like him. Any, and it's because we're all to an extent avoiding accountability That's one of the biggest problems with Donald Trump. He avoids accountability, Accountability lies lies to everybody and to himself and all of that stuff. And so, yeah, it's kind of manifested in a way where we have exactly, uh, Donald Trump is a little bit of all of us. It's that thing inside of you that is, kind of seedy and rotten and talking you into do well you know it's going to be great yeah don't go to the gym or you know don't don't worry about uh trying to get a new job you're not you, you know just come on you're you're fine as you are and this and that you know or whatever it is that's true no, you're not a bad person you're a great person you're one of the greatest people i know just because you got this toby you know what a, and and it just right. and, and all that stuff is just now in front of our face with lots of power
2: so if if the stakes were higher on any individual's life, let's just say there's this lady over here, and she talks this way at Thanksgiving, and says she's this, and she wants to do this, and her plans are this. And if you turned up the intensity on that, to she said it in front of millions of people, and then you watched her actions across the next six months by right. herself in her apartment, you go, you hypocrite, you liar, you have no accountability to what you right. said. You you know you would you would treat her the same. You just lie lie lie. It's like you don't you must believe all these lies too. Who even knows? Right. It'd be like Trump like if you took a real person and held them to everything they said they wanted and did. Yes. A, Cause that's the press conference part when you're saying, and I'm going to lose weight next year. And I'm going to work a lot harder at this because I, you know, my career, my kids are important. You know, yeah. you, like if you take all those statements as press conferences, and then where's the accountability on that? It's hilarious. Uh-huh. Like you're, you're just as bad as Trump. You're right.
1: Yeah. I mean, th- th- just think about that. The next time. It's, of course there's a reason. Yeah. And you just ne- go ne- hard. Next you time you're trying track. to talk yourself out of something or into something that isn't actually benefiting your success, whether it be health, career, life, whatever, just hear it in Donald Trump's voice. Say it in Donald Trump's voice. Say your, your words back in voice. Say your words back in Donald Say Trump's voice, and, Donald Trump's Trump's and, Trump's and, Trump's voice and you'll hear oh, oh no. Oh God. Oh shit. <laughs> that's
2: right. Yep. That's right.
1: That's what it is, right.
2: So, what do you actually think about accountability? Okay, well, just you know, look at yeah. your yeah, that's great, that's good I stuff. <laughs> I know that's what
1: that is. I'll tell you what else is great, Matt is old Quip toothbrush because I love it. And I will say this about myself: I really have always thought that brushing your teeth is boring. Like, okay, I so what I ha- I want to when I'm brushing my teeth, you just stand there and brush your teeth, right? But I want to go walk around like I do when I'm on the phone. But I got something a, a toothbrush in my mouth and. Uh, I don't even know how long or how short I'm supposed to brush my teeth and I can't talk. So I've always thought it was boring. Now, interquip, it is by far changed the way I brush my teeth and I love it and think it's really fun actually because it's a vibrating toothbrush that beeps or you know pauses, let, lets me know when I'm supposed to change sides, what I'm supposed to do and how long I'm supposed to brush my teeth. It takes out any of the guesswork completely and I have loved this toothbrush. I've been using it now for good God, years maybe? Uh, it, it may be that long. It's that good of a toothbrush. I don't use any other toothbrush. It's my favorite toothbrush, my favorite way to brush your teeth. It has sensitive sonic vibrations for an effective clean. An effective clean. That's another good good thing there. Uh, that's gentle on your sensitive gums, and I do have those. I, don't, I think you kind of have sensitive gums too now. Other Real toothbrushes, bad. man, I've, I've been like, I'd brush too hard, or I'd say, do I get soft, medium, all that stuff? It takes all the guesswork out for you with Quip. It's so awesome. It has built-in two-minute timer pulses every 30 seconds to remind you to switch sides and help you to clean your whole mouth evenly because there's been tons of times where I realized I only brushed the left side of my, my teeth. I was like, wait. Oh, no. Did I even get the right side? Shoot. I got to do that. The brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months. I love that. It shows right up to my door for just $5. A friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh and to stay committed uh, to your oral health and why 75% of us use old worn out bristles. And they, those are ineffective. That's another thing. Tr- trying to remember, Oh, you're trying to remember everything in your life and you still got to remember your own personal toothbrush. Let quip handle all this. Seriously. That is why I love quip. I love it because it works and it's awesome for me. So it's perfect for getting back into a routine. You out of routines, get into one, get a habit, with Quip, it starts at just twenty five dollars. And if you and if you go to getquip.com dot com slash badchristian right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip dot com slash badchristian. Right on.
2: All right, Dan, thank you for coming back in. Yeah, these are nice to do in person. Yeah. Um, so Dan, uh, Toby's in town. Dan is here, and Dan has a podcast called "You Have Permission." And he takes all these Christian culture type of concepts and then does this really deep dive into research and gets good guests and then filters through the tape and edits the tape and narrates it and writes it and does all this work that is so overlapping to what we do and so much more effort put into it. It seems so (laughs) awesome to be able to import you over here when we have such an overlap of crowd and all this stuff and try to go through some of these topics in a more measured way than Toby and I just, just doing whatever we do.
0: That might be the single best word to describe the difference between me and you guys is measured. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, I'll take that. I've never been described measured. as measured, <laughs> um, but and so the podcast is doing great. I recommend everybody check it out and do it. And so we'll have you back in because you, all your all your things are so topical, and they and they bring up these whole areas and then get distilled down a little bit, and then now we can kind of go through and have some conversation about it. But one topic that is just so wild that I don't remember when the first time I ever heard the term purity culture is. I'm not sure. Hmm. But when I think of the term now, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I've done so much thinking on it. It seems like, oh, yeah, Yeah. well, of course. But I don't know that it's not very recent that I even was aware that it existed. And Mm -hmm. I can't even pinpoint, but it seems like the cultural shift on it and the acknowledgement of it and its negative effects have been so freaking fast. It's an
0: avalanche. It's an avalanche. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. that's
2: what it feels like. And Maybe it was only three years ago when I even— Thought that, I mean, six years ago, where was that with purity? I wouldn't have really understood the term. I was still complementarian in my theology. Yeah. I thought, you know, like that wasn't long ago. And now yeah. I think purity culture is so obvious that it's bad or whatever, but I guess I, don't, I can't even find the borderline anymore. It, it is. It's really interesting.
0: It's one of those issues, you know, so there, there is a kind of a wave going on of people deconstructing is usually the word that they use. But, you know, people are leaving the church. Some people are just straight up leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, the numbers are really bad. Uh, free evangelicalism and stuff, um, you know, like the, the census numbers and stuff. But uh, this is one of the issues that's like it's maybe like the the crest of the wave right now, or it's at the top. It's kind of moving fastest. Yeah. You know, you might say like it's the mm-hmm. part that's a, that's crashing in this moment. And it's a good analogy. And like, um, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where it's kind of a testament to how strongly. You can assume something is Christian or assume something is biblical if everyone just gets on board and also assumes it.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like
0: like the amount of people who have said from the pulpit or in a book or in a conversation, well, you know, the Bible condemns premarital sex is like uh, massive. And like it kind of doesn't. <laughs> like there's so little Bible stuff about really? it. Yeah, very, I mean, very I, I little. Feel
1: like- yeah, I feel like it was not that way though. The way I thought because it people say e- it over e- and over evident. and over right, right, and over right. again. Yeah, for it's sure. Like I mean, Donald Trump saying the same simple thing over and over. Bad, it's bad, kind bad. Of,
0: yeah, it's like gaslighting or something. But we should probably define what purity culture sure, is before sure, we go sure. into that. So purity culture is basically um, purity culture is not the same as saying I prefer to wait to have sex till marriage. Okay, that's a that's a personal value somebody might have. They might have that value for their kids. Um, it's a very reasonable value, especially if you right. consider pregnancy and. Um, STIs and all that stuff. Purity culture is not that. It includes that, but it Imports a bunch of other stuff, and I'm not an expert on this, but I have done two pretty long interviews about it, and read a couple books. Recently, and there's no and
2: official thing; There's a culture. Right? There's it's no, not official. There's, yeah, there's not a group called you no. know. There's no gatekeepers of it. It's just a phenomenon that it just. Yeah,
0: my understanding is there were like maybe three to five pretty big organizations that got a ton of federal funding, mostly under George W. Bush. And, what were they? And, and Clinton. I don't remember the names. Is that like uh,
2: promise keepers or that kind of thing, or no, some other?
0: Big... Uh, so the one of the ones was the so if you ever went to if you got a if you ever went to a purity um like a convention like true love waits right. so true right. Love weights is is either the name of the organization or name of the organization or the name of the event of one of those big organizations right. so i went to a true love waits conference and at some point and had a purity ring at some point i don't think i wore it for very long uh but that was like one of maybe four or five that got millions of dollars in federal funding in the 90s mostly um and yeah clinton and george w bush uh mostly during their administrations and i think the obama administration cut down that abstinence only funding so uh it's it's kind of a it's hard to define but it's a set of sort of it's a it's really a culture it's a good word for it Mm -hmm. it is purity culture it's not really purity claims because the claims vary uh and but it's basically something like it's like easiest to describe by using the uh the object lessons that are taught in like say a youth group or a Christian Bible class. Mm-hmm. So here's the one that I had a couple times. You have a, uh, two pieces of construction paper. One's blue and one's pink. And you spray some Elmer's glue in between them and you rub them together and you let it sit for 20 minutes and then you come back and you pull them apart <laughs> and they're not separate. They are sticking to each other. Some <laughs> of the pink is on the blue. Right. Some of the blue is on the pink. Uh, another object lesson, um, that Linda Klein, who the future, uh, who's a, most recent guest of mine talking about this, uh, they take an Oreo cookie and they say, who wants to eat this Oreo cookie? And everyone goes, puts their hand up. Then they put it on the ground and they say, okay, everybody go around and spit on this Oreo cookie. And then everyone spits on it oh, and they God. pick it back up and they say, now who wants the Oreo cookie?
2: Mm-hmm. That's purity culture. What's the lesson? What, are they, how do so, they t- what do they say about the Oreo? You're the what? Well,
0: that? the spitting is all the times, so all the different uh-huh. sex partners you've had.
2: So, and then nobody would want you. Then nobody would want yeah. you anymore. Right? Okay, so purity culture
0: is... Distinct from the idea, you should wait to have sex till your marriage, which is fine. It's an idea. And it's more an issue of sex is a purity violation. Sex changes your core substance. Sex before marriage makes you not just different, but impure, Uh, you know, dangerous. Is that a layer
2: you're saying on top of what are like our genetic or whatever moral intuitions? Like, it's just like when people say purity, like they if you burn something, you had to burn things. Like, it seems to be built into humans that if something's impure, like you have to burn it or, or disgust. So and, the thing and that's built into things.
0: humans is we we do have a disgust module, you call it, in our psychology. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there's a lot of ways to get into this. It's basically moral psychologists work on this stuff. And so uh, the disgust module is really, really powerful. It evolved uh, to keep us away from gore. Like, well, the reason we're so turned off by gore is because... It's really dirty. You can get infections very easily if you're around putrefying bodies.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, there's a really interesting uh, example. I did a I
2: did poop a whole. Is so important. Poop. Yeah. Poop. A, a so very important part. I of it? did
0: a whole. Um, I did a whole episode on disgust psychology and, and love the sinner, hate the sin, and why that's a problem. Uh, not a pu- not strictly a purity culture episode, but th- something that we started off with is like so. Imagine this: you have a bunch of spit in your mouth. You don't think there's anything wrong with that spit. Someone gives you a cup, you spit into the cup. Then they say, Will you drink that spit? No way. Hell no, I'm not gonna do it. That spit was just in your mouth. Right. You put it into a cup, you're gonna put it back in your mouth. Nothing's changed about it. You don't think the paper cup's gross, you drink nope. water out of the cup. Right. What's going on there? So it's like there uh, are there really are hair strong... when it falls
2: off of your head into your food, and now your food's right, ruined. A hair. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably eat yeah. ten beard hairs
0: a day without even realizing it, uh falling into my food. But like so, there is some really powerful stuff going on with disgust co- psycholo- disgust psychology. We don't have to get into it right now. But purity culture is a culture that believes you should wait to have sex till you're married that utilizes disgust yeah. psychology to get its aims across. That might be mm-hmm. the simplest way of saying it. Right. And then some examples of this are, like we said, purity rings, the true love waits movement of like, I'm saving myself for my husband or wife. Um That's the more innocuous stuff. The darker stuff gets into when you actually start reading the curriculums that these guys, the curricula these places put out. And if you've gone through the experience... Uh, Linda Klein, who I just interviewed, you know she, she's interviewed hundreds of people about their experience in purity culture. What you start to find that's so damaging is a real big divide between what is taught to the boys and what is taught to the mm, girls. No doubt. And here's the simplest way to say it: Boys are taught, and this was definitely my experience and my wife's experience, by the way, who we grew up in different cities, but both in the same culture. Boys are taught: We know you're a fucking Mustang. Mm-hmm. We know we that oh, you're yeah. gonna go. You're gonna be just alive. pump okay. those brakes, little guy until the night of and then go to town right okay so guys are not really taught to be any different we're just taught to hold off so bounce your eyes until your wedding night and then man take in your wife and you know rip her to shreds basically not in a violent way women are not taught that women are taught men's sexual actions are your responsibility what are you wearing Mm -hmm. Uh, how are you acting
2: since we have these Mustang men out there what are we gonna do with you
0: you are the, and, and there's an assumption that Linda th- thinks that she's discovered is that there's an assumption that women are inherently unsexual and men are sexual. Mm-hmm. So if men are always sexual and women are not sexual, then the real, uh, the real variant here is the women. So we know that the women can be unsexual. So they need to be unsexual. They need to be it's, pure. It's,
2: it seems like it would be an easier ask, which one, yeah, if you need to tell intuitive. one of them to knock it off, yeah. it, it seems like, it, first of all,
0: Boys will be boys, right? Right. It's just,
2: it's harder to control wild boys. I Mm -hmm. mean, they're just more difficult to control in adolescence. So there's
0: an intuitive sense here. And and if you were, let's say you were a social psychologist and you're trying to reduce the amount of sex a bunch of teenagers are having. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're probably going to be more effective if you work on the girls than if you work on the guys. Right, you have more effect. That's true. But, okay, so that's fine. Except the way that it actually works out in practice is that, you know, these girls are basically shamed... Into being the brakes on the boy-girl sexual right. system. And so you think about the Oreo thing. That Oreo analogy is like, you're getting, you're getting gross if you do this. And they don't really teach that to the boys. Um, it's a performance error for the boys. It's like, well, you messed up. Get back on the horse. Right. For the girls, it's like you are not your purity has now been besmirched. And now, what's really interesting about this? That's ancient, though. That's what I was just going to yeah. say. Here's what's so interesting about it. It's not that shit goes or... all the way back to basically the beginning of agricultural societies. They have all cultures. <laughs> once, once <laughs> you cultures. have agriculture and property and mm-hmm. oxen and you know silos of wheat, daughters are property, and manner mm-hmm. and boys are not. Sons are not. And so it's in the Bible. I mean. Uh, In the Torah, in the first five books of the Old Testament, daughters are treated as property in the Levitical law, in the Deuteronomic law. It's disgusting when you see it for what it is, and there's obviously ways around that. This is not a conversation about how to interpret Leviticus, but it's there. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, here's an example. If your virgin daughter is raped by a man in the community, um, the man must, first of all, pay the dad the bride price of the daughter because he has spoiled the dad's goods. Right. It's like he's stolen their his assets.
2: Then that is
0: right. He must marry her. So the rapee must marry her rapist Uh because the financial transaction has been like a salvage value at that point. Yes. Right. Right. And maybe he's even getting a used price. And then we're just going to turn out the salvage yard and get a little bit more for it. Um, That's where we're coming from. Mm -hmm. That's the way uh, young girls used to be thought of. We're doing better than that. We're doing better than that. Slightly. Slightly. But so you can see how it's a a softer echo of that. Obviously, purity culture is not as bad as that. Right. Uh, But you do, it rhymes, basically, you might say. Mm -hmm. It's not the same, but it rhymes. And so there's these differential ways that boys and girls are treated in purity culture. And then what the girls are expected to do is be asexual, 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 Become a tigress now for your right, husband, yeah, right, and right. this is Mark Driscoll saying, Hus- you know, wives, if you don't think your husband wants blowjobs, let me assure you, he does. That is part of this. It's we're going to teach the women how to please their men once they're married, but up until they're married, they got to shut that stuff down altogether. Yep. That is obviously not every instance of purity culture is quite that stark, but if you want to sort of draw the contours, that's how you would draw mm-hmm. it."
2: And then the ramifications are like way crazy. Like, not it's not just the obvious there. I mean, like, uh, let's just jump for the total other angle here and say, on the other hand, or way far off of aggregate type effect, we have a lot of people with a lot of mental health issues and anxieties and image and body image and just all these other things that disorders. Yeah, yeah, that that these things, uh, or just marriages that are just trash because of the the, some of the things that, that. it's not necessarily about abstinence in teenage years. It's lifelong effects of right. how you're viewing things and contribute to mental health and suicides and everything across that. And then let's not sleep on the fact that the negative effects on men. That, that's separate. We can talk about that too. But oh, for sure. But yeah. it's a big contributor to many other deep, long-term problems to individuals, and it has implications about how to handle rape and the judicial system and yeah. everything, and just all the way through.
0: We don't have to go all the way there, but I think that if you want to go all the way there, what you end up thinking about is patriarchal norms in general, and you have to come down, and I did an episode with Carolyn Custis James about this on patriarchy. You have to just determine, and, and when I say patriarchy, I mean any system that values Maleness above femaleness. Mm-hmm. So sons are more valuable than daughters. Daughters are property. Sons aren't. Uh, and anything that's like men should be in charge, women should not. Just And this stuff is overt and subtle. It's both. It sort of courses through all of human history. You have to decide as a Christian is patriarchy in the bible because god likes patriarchy and god just wants like a softer more gentle patriarchy like does god mm-hmm. really think mm-hmm. you know what it is better if men are in control they should just not be assholes
2: right right yeah yeah, yeah that's that, a big point of view yeah
0: or patriarchy is sin and patriarchy is one of the things that human beings naturally come up with like that god slavery. is pulling yeah like slavery that god is pulling us away from
3: mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and that's the decision you have to make. I obviously land on the latter side. I think that patriarchy is something that is not what God wants. God never prefers patriarchal situations, and God is pulling us away from them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I
0: think there's evidence in the text for that. There's evidence in history of the church. There's evidence. In, so the fact that it leads to things like purity culture is some of the evidence, you know, et cetera.
2: All right, Dan, Toby, you guys hang on a second. Before we go any farther, i got to talk about something that is so important to me, meat, protein, and fat which is pretty much all my diet consists of. That's some vegetables and some nuts. It's about all I eat. So I love the topic, and that's why I'm so happy to have what is obviously my favorite sponsor this podcast has ever had, is Butcher Box, of course. Now, my favorite personal cut of meat is a steak, a well-marbled steak, maybe a ribeye. Even sirloin can be really good. I have some sirloin butcher's box at home that I'm going to cook tonight, for instance. And here's how I like to make it. I get a cast iron skillet as hot as I can get it on the stove with a little bit of oil in it. I throw... A ribeye or a sirloin on it then i put that into the oven where i have the broiler on as hot as it will go and on the highest rack so it's getting seared on the bottom by the cast iron and seared on the top from the broiler at the same time and the middle will be really nice and red and medium rare and the outside will be just sizzling and the fat will render makes a little bit of smoke i turn on the fan just you know Open the window before you do it, but my goodness, it's just the perfect steak, and nothing is cooler than getting it sent to your house. Now, not only is it just sent to your house, it's terrific meat. It comes in this box. It's totally frozen. The packaging's amazing. It didn't take up that much room in my freezer. There's a giant assortment of different meats in there, bacon, chicken, heritage breed pork. It's unbelievable, and the, the beef is grass-fed, so a lot of people are going to be moving and are moving to grass-fed. People have environmental concerns. You know They've got free-range organic chicken, like I said, heritage pork. They've got wild-caught Alaskan salmon. Here's what else. Every month, they ship a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home. All the meat is free of antibiotics and hormones, and each box is like 9 to 11 pounds of meat, It's enough for 24 individual meals. It's packed fresh and shipped frozen vacuum sealed. and it stays that way, too. So I can customize my box, or I can go with one of theirs, and I like to customize mine. That's what I will be doing. But it's a no-brainer. ButcherBox really is a no-brainer. The cost really, especially if you're somebody that works, that is already trying to eat grass-fed, will ship right to your door, which means less trips to the grocery store. They've got... I mean, everything is just the way it should be. It's the most affordable and convenient way to get healthy, humanely raised meat with butcher box. You get the highest quality meat and it, it winds up being about $6 a meal. So totally awesome. And they can eat. They even have free shipping nationwide minus Alaska and Hawaii. But best part right now, butcher box is offering new members ground beef for life. That's music to my ears. That's two pounds of ground beef in every box for the life of your subscription plus $20 off the first box. You just go to butcherbox.com slash bad Christian or enter the promo code bad Christian at checkout. That's butcherbox.com slash bad Christian or enter the promo code bad Christian at checkout. Go right now. Look at that site. Order you some meat because I would like to keep the sponsor. I would like for more people to eat meat. I think it's it's a very important part of your diet to take seriously where your nutrition comes from, and this is a great way to go. So you're fine with your 16-year-old daughter doing gangbangs. Way to go, Dan. Well, okay, so we're going to – let's save (laughs) that.
0: Because that's the very end of this conversation, which is if you reject purity culture, what comes in its place? Right. But let's not get ahead okay. of ourselves. But uh, that's so, a really good question. So
1: it you, you are saying, though, that this all stems from uh, basically ownership of a person, then, though. Like, this is similar to the thought of slavery. Like, wait, this woman, if, you know, it, whether she was raped or whether she willingly had sex with somebody else, is now sullied or whatever. Yeah. And uh, she's not as valuable because. It wasn't only me, so I don't have mm-hmm. the uh, the same way as you have an animal. Th- this horse is amazing. Once his leg is injured a little bit, or something, it's not as valuable. It's not as good sure. to me, and it doesn't reflect my wealth or my prominence or any of that. Yeah. That's that's basically where the thought of behind purity. That's the base thought of purity. Culture. I would
0: I would not say it like comes directly from that. I would say that slavery, purity culture, uh, and and other types of disgust psychology share psychological characteristics. Yeah. I'm not
2: going to I don't know I'm not saying one sure. comes from the other. Objectification is a shared thing. Like a, yeah. a slave is an object, a woman yeah. is an object, and you're objectified. And then even if it's in the soft version, you'll have women later that say I thought my only value was my tits. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Like what else is there? That's you, what I've been told my value is in yeah. an objectified way or And you don't want to you don't want to
0: generalize too strongly from anecdotal instances to like oh that's what everyone is mm-hmm. teaching. You know, of course, People can have really bad experiences in really healthy communities, you know, but uh, there's some bad fruit here is how I would say it. And it's related to other kinds of patriarchy. It's related to slavery and ownership and it's related to, it's, it's really, it really plays on the disgust module in right. our, in our brains. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it, it seems like that they're like the most, if we're talking about this, uh, historically it seems like the most valuable thing you could own then would be a human in a way no doubt right like mm-hmm. more than anything else of course more more sign of your wealth or power would a be, little
0: above the angels you know? human human beings or a little below the angels we are the we're the crown of creation in right. christian theology and in just general people just tend to think yeah humans are about as valuable as it gets
2: i have a little thought experiment about that okay that i would like to share i was thinking about the other day now that you bring it up but i was thinking that people seek to t- will take advantage of you. Essentially, that's the premise, and it's because you have a value. That's already true. So, if you yeah. imagine in a thought experiment, you're the only person on Earth. Everybody got wiped out. So you live your whole life looking for resources, uh, food, anything you can do to improve your chances of survival, heat, shelter. Heat. Heat. Yeah. 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 If you were just walking around one day and you got word or saw that there's another human yeah. on Earth. What other, <laughs> what would your focus be? Right. Like person, good or but yeah. whatever you're going to do with that human. Right. You immediately understand that's more valuable than any other
0: thing in your environment. That's the and premise seek of to, the Will Forte show, Last Man on Earth. Oh, really? Fox. I mean, basically, did you ever see that show? No. So that show opens, he's the only guy mm-hmm. on earth, and then eventually he finds other people. Well,
2: I'm just, that's know, like the, for whatever he he good, good that, yeah. bad reasons, right. you would know, Yes. The most yeah, valuable oh, there's a person heard, right. over in some yeah. other place. I've got to get there and I yeah. will harness that person or use them or kill them or they threaten me, whatever it is. Whatever it that's is. That's the yeah, most significant right. thing. Which is why it's you the could scariest thing when you think about the apocalypse or the right. end of the
1: world. Right. Like yeah. People think our, our structures are set up to where, oh, we think we're getting better and all that stuff. If the grid went out right now mm-hmm. in Seattle... I'd be very worried that I would somebody would attack me or right. hurt me or own right. me or or do something because of that value. Right. So le, let
2: me express this
0: a I, lot more than the grid going out would probably need to happen for that.
2: I don't know. Six but months. months. I, I don't know. I, I might I know. be wrong. There's, it, so know. think about it this way. My I I'm not worried about my daughters. I'm not really worried about them getting taken advantage of as sex slaves or for anything. I'm yeah. not. Um, on the other hand. I only understand that that happens to be contingent on modern society and laws, the rule of law, social thing. I mean, yeah. they have, they, if, there, if it was possible for that to happen to them, I would need to really look out for it. Do you know what I mean? Like they are sure. objects to other human-like animals, no matter what. And we have a bunch of systems that protect us from having to deal with that reality. But the reality is humans are things, they're resources that other sentient humans Will take advantage of if it's not stopped, and we're stopped. Yeah. We get it. We keep it ours at bay in a lot of soft ways that are really pleasant for us. But the reality is, sure. So that might be that. a kind of that might be a one explanation for why patriarchy
0: was really effective. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's a system
0: um, at least to try. When we're talking about human evolution, once we get to biologically modern humans, we don't. We're not really evolving biologically anymore. We're evolving culturally. We're evolving in our ability to share and retain and and share information, uh, and so. Culturally, it may have been quite survival fitting yes. to be like, you know what? People are going to steal these this women. Is, they are right. le- They are more helpless. They have smaller muscles. Mm-hmm. So the man will protect them. Right. And perhaps that was the best thing to do. I, I, that's what I'm in saying. In that yeah. time, what you do want is a really loving patriarch. And at the time that Paul is writing, perhaps all that Paul can imagine is patriarchy is obviously... He's not questioning patriarchy in the first century AD. He's saying look that's the good thing that protects people do it like christ in the church yeah yeah but now the question is today yes uh now that women can own property they can vote they can get advanced degrees they can preach for a lot of us uh they can basically do they can be ceos Mm -hmm. they can be presidents and prime ministers do we still need that you know is that a thing that god really wants of us or was that a thing that god allowed us to do when it was helpful and that now we can actually move beyond, you know, in heaven, will it be patriarchal? That's one way of thinking about it. And people have different views of heaven. But one thing that Jesus says is you will not be married nor given in marriage. And interestingly, one of the only things that Jesus says, the only thing that Jesus really says about divorce is he says, Moses permitted you a writ of divorce. Um, but I say, you know, don't get divorced. Basically, if you, if you have if you marry a divorced woman, you're committing adultery. People, some people uh, want to interpret that really literally and say, "Well, this means we should have no divorce." This is kind of the Catholic position. But another way of looking at that, in the context of we're talking we about have no marriage, <laughs> he, if a man in the time of Moses divorced his wife,
3: mm-hmm.
0: he was totally screwing her over. I mean, she was fucked. Yeah, turning her loose. She can't do any. Yeah, I mean, right? she can't uh, run her own household. She basically becomes an uh, This is why widows and orphans are so important in. Um, in the Old and New Testament because they were totally powerless. So Jesus is saying, you don't get to leave your wife behind. That's mm-hmm. another way of reading Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the power dynamic there, not only, because um, he talks about sex, and we'll probably get to it because it's these are the relevant biblical things. You know, he talks about lust. But the divorce thing seems more to me to be about power. And so if you combine do not get divorced with, and if you say that's about power, and then you say Jesus says, in the kingdom of heaven no one will be married or given in mm-hmm. marriage mm-hmm. given in marriage that's the phrase given. property given mm-hmm. over in marriage you might think jesus doesn't like
2: patriarchy or marriage well, God doesn't
0: want it <laughs> well
2: you know toby said yeah. that last week he's like oh come on we're gonna get past this yeah, now, yeah. there are some yeah, more, more probably
1: marriage in the future
2: there it's are, just a half measure like patriarchy and slavery to get us to when we don't need that shit no more <laughs>
0: I mean, hey, maybe, although there is a, there's a problem with using the biblical text for that because it seems like both Jesus and Paul thought that some kind of end was really near. Right. And so that's a little different, especially Paul, Paul's really clear, like, hey, these times are upon us, so marry if you need to, Um, and you know, but, but sure, I mean, who knows where God will take us in the future, but I just think that's really interesting, that maybe that no marriage in the kingdom of heaven, if that's about power. Then that's an argument against patriarchy.
1: Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have another question here, too, then. Yep. Uh, going back to what you said, we were talking about sex and the ownership of people and stuff like that. Specifically with sex, and why is that why do you think that that one stuck out so much? Because, like, the boys did want sex and the girls maybe did want sex. Why? more sex partners why did that one specifically for example nobody maybe cares as much if you go work for a bunch of different people or you know if you if your wife or spouse has had 15 jobs and worked with all other people or done other stuff or uh, I, I don't know sex specifically right. is that a, a symptom of male patriarchy and ego like wait a minute like i wonder if some of the purity culture is men going wait a minute she slept with six guys one of those is bound to be better and bigger and more than me. So no Maybe. ways. I mean yeah. is that a you think that's a symptom or an example of that patriarchy trying to enforce yeah. the, the sex thing?
0: I would imagine that that's probably one of many psychological factors that go into people going, "Oh yeah, this purity culture se- thing seems good." Yeah. You know, and another one would just be the fact that like people who have sex, so parents especially, um who are discussing you know, figuring out if they should put their teenagers through this kind of thing. Um they know uh, or hopefully they know that sex is the most intimate thing you can do with another person so sex is just like just our I mean if you, the brain scans of people having sex, I mean it's just it's a lot I mean you you know this there are times when you lose yourself having sex with your partner yeah. it's that's the it's, way I
2: describe it it's I, so just transcendent. like so I, when you I get be. done I say I, what just happened? I was some animal yeah. for some period of time. Like not that I'm saying it's, I'm an it's animal kind of in the like sack, a, by it's the a flow way. I'm state. just saying, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't hardly remember it. Like I'm not in this yeah. state during yeah. it's that. It's an alter
0: it's it's yeah. transcendent, is right. another way of saying it. And so I think there's a sense that um if you have if you have an innate assumption that some things are holy, it's it's pretty likely that sex is one of those things. I mean it's yeah. Um, and, and in fact, some of, especially in more Pentecostal traditions, the kind of experiences that people have sometimes when they're full of the spirit is, is erotic. It's not erotic in that they're not imagining butts and tits and stuff, but it is erotic in terms of the the parts of their brain that are lighting Mm up. Uh, and in a way that I think is probably quite healthy. I mean, I'm not, don't get, I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying that is what's happening in your brain. And so I think it's put it this way. Purity culture had a much better chance of taking hold about sex than it did about workplace environments right. because it just is dealing with something so. And then add in parents' incredible anxiety and worry about their kids right. not being able to have a good life, which is right. totally. That's like a good the biggest
2: thing. modern driver in fundamentalism, it seems. Like, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'll, you come to my house, I'll have a shotgun. Right. So, go, you know. Yeah. So
0: here's one way I think about it. Um, so there's this, and not, you know, again, I'm not an expert here. Uh, I think of it this way. There is this very understandable desire for parents to protect their kids, their teenagers, their preteens, et cetera. And so, and then someone tells them, um, and and they have a kind of common sense belief that it's best to wait till marriage, which is sort of in the Bible, not really. But it, most people <laughs> agree on exactly, it in American that, Christianity. Yeah. So they they're like, yeah, well, we agree no sex before marriage, or at least it's not. it's not preferable, uh, STIs, STDs, pregnancy, especially pregnancy is a huge worry for a lot of parents. Um, and then here, and then here comes this curricula and they're like, yeah, this, this sounds good then. And there's also a big, there's this big kind of sexist patriarchal thing going on in the background too, which is not seen as well, not seen so clearly, but that does actually fit pretty well with the purity culture curricula. Uh, And here is an example to, this is my favorite example I have read or heard to show it. Uh, It's in Linda's book, Pure. One of the people she interviews tells the story. She goes to college and she gets raped at a party. She comes home to her parents. What was she wearing though? The very first thing her dad says, she says, "Mom, Dad, I was raped at a party." I'm just kidding. That's horrible. Her dad's first line is, "What were you wearing?" Oh, oh God. Okay, no, it's. I mean, it's. It's instructive that you said it. Yeah, I was just trying to joke around. So now, okay, so there. That's painful. First of all, because someone br- committed a crime, right. a prison-worthy crime, raped her. Okay. Uh, there are questions about intoxication and what, you know, all right. that stuff that are complicated and college parties and all that. Uh, so that's going on too. But that's going on too. So he didn't say, What were you drinking? Which would have been probably a more logical question, right. even if he should have said, I can't believe he did that. But even yeah. then, you might imagine, Well, were you drunk? Right. Okay, fair question. No, it was, What are you wearing? So here's what I think we take away from that. And I ran this by Linda and she agreed. So she's more of an expert than I am. What I think that shows. Is that in the mind of that dad, he had gotten to a point where he understood the cause of sexual assault to primarily be the variable that matters is what the girl wears. Because the guy is going to do what the guy does. Mm-hmm. And the and the woman's clothing is a signal to the guy of what kind of behavior is appropriate. Right. Similarly, if someone called me up and said, Dan, I'm so frustrated. My mom... Just told me that we don't, Christians do not have to care about refugees, that they're terrorists, and that we, that I'm being a bleeding heart liberal when I'm posting about wanting to let refugees in and and change Trump's policy to basically cut them off. My first question to that person is how much Fox News does she watch? Now, what does that say about me? I could have other questions. I could say, does your mom know any refugees? I could say, uh, has your mom ever traveled abroad? Yeah, has she ever been to the Middle East? I could, you know, whatever. I could say, d- does she know someone who is involved in a terrorist attack? Yeah, but I don't ask that. I ask how much Fox News does she watch. So what that says about me is that I think the causal mechanism for having that view about refugees is Fox News viewership or something related. Maybe mm-hmm. she really likes True News or. I don't know life life news site or some of these like weird evangelical news organizations. Whatever it is, like that's the that's the cause.
2: It reveals what you. That's
0: what that reveals what I think. Mm. Where I think that belief comes from, I think it comes from Fox News. So when the dad says, "What were you wearing?" it reveals what the dad thinks about where it comes from. Which is still
2: really far off from saying, "Yeah, but if you uh, where you just go out and." you wouldn't go in a dark alley with no nothing i mean you, you put yourself in danger you know th- of course They're that obvious, common sense makes yeah, th- common sense. sense and you don't go in a jungle with a meat outfit on but yeah, also whatever, it almost but.
1: seems like the dad too and and i'm sure that i've thought this way in the past in the past is saying it, if she would have said oh i was wearing a giant parka and giant uh, ski pants he yeah. would go oh well that guy is really bad right man. right like, yeah. like cuz but if you were wearing a miniskirt well, you were in revealing clothes, and how men are, like you were just saying, how men, th- how the men dad are. that dad was taught, yep. that's how men are. That's and how you women knew were how everybody. men were. So how right. did you get you in that knew. situation? That's why I yeah. told you not so, to go to a right, frat party. Right. Why did you walk out in front of a line with a bunch of stakes wrapped around your neck? Exactly. Right. Yes, you have stakes, yeah. and you're in front of a line. Right.
0: But that is. Uh, not how sex works. It's not really true that men are lions with no cage (laughs) between them and (laughs) snakes. Now, if she had said, Dad, I was walking down the street and I got catcalled by five guys in a row, then a question: What were you wearing? Is a fairly appropriate question. Had you been dressed differently, you might not have gotten catcalls. Like that's that's a closer causal relationship. Yeah, for okay, him that if question, people yeah. walk down in a mini skirt and a halter top, a certain kind of guy is probably going to do a cat call. That is probably true. It's still not right. good that they do that, but whatever. Right. No assault is taking place. It's weird. Rapes don't happen all the time. People are not just constantly raped. I mean, rape. It occurs more often than we'd like to think, but it happens way less than catcalls happen, for instance. It's way less than, go, hey, good looking. That happens much more often than rape happens. So the fact that purity culture got this dad to think that, like, well, rapes would just happen because of what you're wearing. Mm -hmm. He has now a complete disconnect about actual sexual abuse and sexual assault. And I think that this is one of the reasons that we're starting to finally, the Me Too thing is turning to church too, and we're seeing all these churches, not just Catholic clergy, where there's a big power structure, but even in smaller congregations or mega churches where this stuff is getting covered up. And yeah. there's a bunch of stories in her book about, um, uh, and actually in her own life, there in, in Linda's own life, there was a pastor who uh, was quietly moved between congregations rather than having a big thing blow up to just go abuse more girls, you know? And like, so the, the scariest consequences in some sense of purity culture are contributing to a culture of sort of silencing sexual scandals and covering up for abusers. That's, that is sort of like, if you want the best proof that this is bearing bad fruit, it's sexual abuse. That's the clearest proof.
2: Yeah, because then that, that's the fullest, that's a really full extension of the whole thing coming home to roost in a way. Yes. Uh, it, because Then it's systemic or something at that point. And, and then that just plays on a very slight, like the worst person in one of these sexual, I think church two maybe you could sum up that hashtag i i think everybody understands what me too is and what the oh, catholic church Too is like uh, you is, know but.
0: the the one in um, chicago uh, not willow creek that's that's rick warren's but it's the other big one the um, saddleback saddleback no Saddleback. oh yeah so willow creek I that guy um, and uh the southern baptist uh, southern stuff baptist had that some. guy that was former head of the denomination and was the president of the southern baptist seminary um, yeah there've been a few of these scandals that have come to these sort of larger evangelical uh, churches of like, oh, it's not just the Catholics.
2: But, it, but what, the, what's happening there is something along the lines of a pastor doing inappropriate things yeah. to some degree, not like to pedophile some stuff is so not much, necessarily that, but yeah. then the point being that organizationally it's overlooked. So yes, the people. There's are all these mechanisms all for like, yeah. we can do NDAs
0: and we can, you know, yeah. just like you they, have in a fucking corporation. Right. It also applies in the church, it's human nature, or it's the nature of powerful organizations or something
2: like so that. So at that point, you have the worst person in the system doing something very simple, like overlooking. Like the the yeah. worst volitional act by the whole system is like, well, we just, he he was called to another church, and yeah. he's not here they anymore. Like ways of saying it, yeah. The person that does that doesn't feel like they've done a horrible thing. No. They feel like, yeah, I'm right. not really sure, it was kind of weird, and we just let him go, and... I know that he knows something but I didn't I didn't want to dig cuz I, I don't want to gossip because anyway, the organization the
0: organization thing. is benefited by not having it turn and blow up into a right. scandal, right? Because so there's a bunch of them. incentives, and all yeah. these people's jobs rely on that. And if, if Willow Creek has a scandal, you know, if they lose fifty percent of their members and they have all these campuses, it's more like they're right. losing eighty percent of their staff, ninety percent of their staff. And so, is that really worth it for this one guy? But, to it's go the, down? but, but that's a, a purity figure. issue,
2: though. But there's, there's well, a so tarnishment the, the of your of yeah. your culture of your own thing if you yeah. admit
0: that. That's a, I think that's a looser form of the word purity. Mm-hmm. I, I would say. That the, the probably the better way to understand the role of purity culture in these larger sex scandals in evangelical organizations is that purity culture is so psychologically sticky that people... Have a way of going, well, maybe Bill Hybels did kind of mess with that girl, but she wore shorter skirts than other people in the office. Mm-hmm. That would be right, that would be how you would see this play in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it doesn't matter. He had massive power over her mm-hmm. and inviting mm-hmm. her on these trips and trying to get her to kind of do these things away from his wife. And like the fact that her skirts were two inches shorter than your skirts is not the right. main thing at play here. Unless you want to say, well, Bill Hybels is going to do it to somebody, and the reason he did it to her is that she had slightly shorter, shorter skirts. Fine. But that's not the issue. It's not that it was specifically right. her or someone else. It's that he did it at all. Yep. That's the problem. And so but then the cover-ups, it has a way of, too. Well, the cover-ups, too. But so I think it's just that this psychology, this purity culture mindset has a way of undercutting what needs to happen in these situations to actually well, – it's, it's, it's lowering the impetus for change,
1: basically. Well, also even for her – what is her avenue to power? Like, if you saw, him. if you saw, yeah, I'm, I'm saying, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not degrading her at all here. I'm yeah. saying, like, if, if you, if your entire life, the way to power, if, if you're, if there's a patriarchy and you can't get power, yeah, but you can, th- there is a path to get to the power, mm-hmm. and then you can whisper in the ear. I mean, yeah. men do this as well with powerful men. Yeah. They whisper in the the powerful, you know, yeah. Caesars' ear or something like that. That is a not terrible way to get to the power and if everybody kind of wants a little bit of it so if you see that opportunity where somebody shows you more attention you're like whoa i'm getting attention from the person in power i don't this is probably all even subconscious like i don't even know she necessarily realized this wait i'm in a room with the head guy you know how many people would kill to be here? Yeah, and, oh, and he's exactly. telling me that yeah. I have potential and I yes. he wants to rule with Grooming
0: me. her, right. yes, exactly. All of that stuff, and, and that seems so sweet. And, 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 and that did come out in the Bill Hybels stuff. right? There was like things he would say about... And then that's like when, when men are cheating and it's like, well, he's going to leave his wife someday and we're going to do something mm-hmm. really great together. I mean, all that stuff is just so sad and there's a patriarchal lens you can look at it through and a, a lot of stuff pops out that wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. I think we should probably talk about you know, how this stuff is being received and like Mm -hmm. personal stuff too, before we go go too long. And I'll just say if you, so there's two episodes on You Have Permission specifically about purity culture. The one with Tina Sellers, which is older, is a bunch more biology. She's a sex therapist. So that one is way more kind of biological, but it's also about the culture. And then the one with Linda is more recent. And that is about um, her research with survivors and then kind of what comes after Purity. So let's say you agree that Purity culture is bad, but you don't just want, well, just do whatever you want. uh, And who cares? So what comes after Purity culture? That's a lot of what we ended up talking about. Um, And we can talk about that a little bit here at the end if you want. But this is, uh, one of your questions for me before we started was like, how are these episodes doing? The Purity culture ones are massive.
3: They get more downloads. And the patriarchal
0: ones are massive. So that is? I think because because it's an idea whose time has come. Uh, Like you're, it's it's the crest of the wave. It's like, it's one of the evidences that, that we do need a paradigm shift, um, that we really need a new way of thinking about a lot of this stuff because the fruit is so rotten, the fruit of purity culture you like, you might meet a person who says, I'm glad I waited to have sex before I was married. I feel that way. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to, I'm glad I waited. I don't, there wasn't really a cost to that. I didn't, I wasn't hurt that much by purity culture. Uh, You find those people. But when you compare the slight benefit that they had to the people whose mm-hmm. lives have been wrecked by this stuff.
2: But even a lot of the people that wait till they get married have horrific right. sex. That's the, I mean yes. that's the thing I hear the most is we wait to our wedding night and it's been horrible it was horrible it's horrible right. now. That's what I hear all the time. There there are a lot so uh,
0: there are a lot of consequences of especially with female psychology of them trying to tamp down everything sexual and then flip that switch it's impossible to do that. And Tina talks about that a lot on our episode of how how psychologically impossible that is to just go from being a nun to a tigress Mm -hmm. overnight just because the, the situation has changed. Um, and then of course there's, there's just, if it really is rooted in patriarchy, there's going to be all kinds of abuse related to it. And, um, so it's just like one of those things that I think people are recognizing. Oh, here, like it's one of the biggest pieces of evidence that this hermetically sealed evangelicalism that explains the whole world that I was given has major holes in it Uh and this is one of the big holes that gets punched first and so i think that's why uh, those episodes do so well and i get a lot of people email me about a lot of people talk to me about it if we happen to be talking in person and um and the patriarchy ones and it's related to sort of gay affirmation and it's all kind of of a piece it's if you once you start to see patriarchy as um in a more clinical way like in a cold light you go oh this actually is like a really big feature of human societies and it it shows up in other places. Mm
2: -hmm. And uh, the phrase sex sales" comes to mind.
0: Yeah, that too. And and people, well, and then here's another really interesting thing which relates to the what comes after is people are also really desperate to know, well, what's the line then? What can I do?
2: Right, yeah, yeah. What can't I do?
0: We really, and this is one of the things that Purity Culture did that was successful. It It gave such clear lines and people love clear lines. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: No
0: doubt. And... Christ, in his ethical teaching, is, is pretty anti-clear lines. You've heard it said, don't murder. I say to you, if you think about your brother hatefully, you've murdered him. Well, what counts as hate? Well, how, for how long, Jesus? What can I do? What can I do? Jesus is not interested mm-hmm. in giving us rules. You've heard line it lines.
2: said you should wait till marriage to have sex. I, Jesus, tell you what? Uh, <laughs>
0: well, I mean, so maybe we should talk about, so, the, so there's the divorce thing, which we already talked about, which is... I mean, you you can interpret it multiple ways, but I I think uh, I tend to think of it as about power that men had over women, and Jesus is very consistent in Jesus's ministry and his actions that he is lifting up people of of less privilege. He's lifting up Samaritans, Canaanites, Syrophoenicians, so ethnic outsiders. He's lifting up he's lifting up women, gender outsiders. He's lifting you know he's lifting up the poor. He's lifting up Roman centurions. Military, military outsiders, you know, the, the people oppressing us. Uh, tax collectors, sort of social economic outsiders. Um, he's doing that constantly. And so the other, but the main move he makes is the going from the outward action to the heart. So the one thing people will bring up is, well, Jesus said, if you've lusted after a woman, you've committed adultery. Mm-hmm. And then they think, they make the move of, well, that lusting must be what 14-year-olds are doing all the time. Is it? So is having sexual ideas lusting? That's a question that never got asked. Uh-huh. That never came up. We right. all assumed with when I had 20 times the testosterone running through my brain as I do today in my 30s, I assumed that the fact that I could not stop thinking about Alexis's ass was lust. But is it? Uh-huh. Um Let's say that I walk out of here today and I see someone in the office that's really attractive, and I go home tonight and I think, man, what if like she thought I was so powerful that she just had to have me sexually? And I go through all the motions of like cheating on my wife with this Mm -hmm. office worker who is so attractive to me. Keep going more details. Bang bang. Yeah. What else you got? That's lust. That's lust. Yeah. There are a lot of dynamics there. There is the excitement of being with someone other than my wife there is the excitement of the power I might have over this person because they think of me as a really smart guy or something like that, whatever. Think of something like that. That's lust. When I'm 13 and anybody with boobs walks past me and I get a boner, right? I don't think that's lust. That's not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and Jesus is talking about adultery there. So you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say, if you've lusted after a woman, you've committed adultery with her. The context of that is adults. Kids can't commit adultery. What 13-year-old can commit adultery? They're not married. Only adults can commit adultery. Only married people on your future can commit wife, adultery. On
2: your future wife. That, that's the, you know, that's sure, the, but, but that's, that's just another gymnastic. That's yeah.
0: a move. That's an interpretive move, and you're assuming something and then making that move. Jesus is addressing adults in that thing. He's not addressing teenagers. And then people, the only verse about masturbation really is the guy who spills his seed. Onan. Oh, Onan oh, spills his seed. If you read that passage, it is not about masturbation. It is about the fact that he was, God told him to get this woman pregnant and he didn't want the responsibility of having a kid. And so he did that. So that's going against God's will. It's not about masturbation. And so we, but like, it's kind of unfortunate that there's not more stuff about teenage sexuality uh, in the Bible, but there isn't. There just isn't.
2: Well, you've you've put us into the territory which is even less talked about, but very interesting. You say that that's not lust for the 13, 14 year old boy. That's where... It's reasonable on some level for the boys will be boys. That's kind of where that comes from. Like, yeah. But it's a yeah. low resolution, bad way to look at it. And so now we land squarely in the point where we're like, how does purity culture affect men and boys and masculinity? Because yeah. that, that is not a non-issue. Like, it's very easy yes, it's to understand issue, the female yeah. thing. And here we yeah. are talking about females. But and also, they can tell you all the also, once but...
1: again, it pushes back on the idea of, like you said, you could think about biology And then use science to explain, instead of just going, you're lusting, make it simple and spiritual. You say, hey, listen, this is what's going on in your body right now. That does not give you permission to force that on somebody else. It doesn't give you, you can't start jacking off in front of people. You can't, these are the things you might, these things might even feel normal to you in your high testosterone brain. But I mean, I remember every, it was like, I remember being in like high school and, like, boners were just everywhere. Oh, yeah. My guy friends would go, hey, look, uh, we'd yeah. be sitting in English class, and he'd show me his boner, and we'd die laughing. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, wait. But there was, like, no right. – and the level of explanation about your body is so elementary. Yeah. Like, it's just nothing. Yeah. There is nothing there. And you're right. I was just told, lust, lust, lust. Suppress lust. the bad Run, get away. I mean, it's going to be there. Run as hard as you can away yeah. from it.
2: Yeah. That's total, Don't Just that I, I would just say the 13-year-old thing is just completely, complete child development. So my, my yeah. boy is six months old, and he's getting fed uh, solid food now, and he doesn't have to be told anything, and he's not... Uh, a glutton right <laughs> you know he, he just he sees it and he's going to get it and he has the impulse to put this in there yep. and he doesn't know what the spoon is or how it's going to go in he doesn't know what he's going to do when it hits his mouth he, he those are just drives yep they're and they're biological drives to do the thing and the sexual one is identical to that it comes at age 13 not age six months it's part is yeah. just how humans develop and they're
0: The reason, though, that purity culture was so effective in getting evangelical parents on board, and churches, and Christian schools, and whatever, is that it seems intuitive, Mm -hmm. right? Like, they do have these drives, and we really don't want them to be having babies yet. So, this is a way Mm -hmm. to protect our kids from their drives.
2: A very binary way <laughs> it is yes
0: it's a very crude way of yeah, doing it crude right? exactly and, and with a bunch of unintended consequences and there are a lot of men
2: maybe a lazy way is a way to say yeah it.
0: lazy is a good way there are a lot of men who grew up in this that now
2: have real sexual dysfunction with oh. their wives there's a lot of them well how about this how about all the non-mustang how about right. all the non-macho quarterbacks what yeah. it's like that doesn't describe me yeah, that I'm not the one that actually wants to have sex with tons of women. Or what? what yeah. who, who am I? I'm some weirdo. I yeah. must be gay. know. I, so I mean yeah. It's just think of all the incels. Think, I mean, is that not a is that not an issue? Like, yeah, no, it is. It's a huge like men are crushed by purity culture. One and, thing, and, though, and yeah. then winner take all too. One thing that's so <laughs> it's, great it's kind about, of a bad game.
0: One thing that's so great about um, coming at more of a scientific angle on various questions is you end up with the bell curve distribution. You end up with, hey, here's the middle. If you're in the fiftieth percentile, here's your experience. And eighty percent of people are within one standard deviation, but then twenty percent aren't, or whatever the numbers are, right? And like that's how it always is. And so whenever we really vaunt up or vault up like a uh, a prototype, this right. is the prototypical male. This is the prototypical pure woman. All. One size fits all. You're always going to have people that don't identify with that. And one thing that um, is unfortunate is because religion is so powerful. I think it's easy for religious systems to uh, take norms and like baptize them in religious language and with a religious authority and say, this yeah. isn't just the norm, it's what God wants. Yes. And that's a move that it's going to get made and we have to learn to to sort of, as individuals, we have to learn in systems, people running systems, to sort of... Um, avoid and be wary of that kind of move. But just because most people do X does not mean that God prefers X yeah. uh, because stuff changes over time. And and you're there's an extra move there. You're saying uh, because it is this way, then it ought to be this way. And that is a thing that Christians rightfully accuse atheists of doing ethically. Mm-hmm. Say, well, you know, it is the case that white people, not atheists, but like, you know, racist it is the case that white people do well i guess it ought to i guess god wants white people
2: yeah well you could say be atheism in, in the way people say or oh, might makes right well they are more powerful therefore they yeah. should be or something like that. most it, atheists are not yeah. might makes right no, that's no, that's
0: a more of a, a, a particular but, kind. but of if a christian yeah. is
2: criticizing a nietzsche clone yeah, that is th- sure. thinking that way that's what they're that's yeah. an atheist person who's saying might makes right because it is not at all yeah, or yep. Hitler saying, right. "Look,
0: white people run the world." It's that's God given, right? Because we're, we're better. To. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we don't. You don't want to do the is ought fallacy, is how mm-hmm. it goes. So yeah. So let's say eighty percent of guys are like this. Doesn't mean they all have to be. That's a move, and it's a move that we don't like in other instances. So we shouldn't make it here.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're up against that in so many different realms where there are biological facts. And we have to make sense out of them. And our paradigm that we've been trying to make sense out of them is showing enough cracks to where, well, well, how do we want to think about this? And that, replace it, right. I'm not sure. but So that's the question now. I mean, if for people
0: who are convinced that there is something really lacking in purity culture is what, what do we do instead? And, you know, some people are working on models. They're sort of competing visions for this. It involves discernment. Mm-hmm. It involves thinking about your values rather than thinking about the rules. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Um, You know, it's like I have a kind of a plan roughly for what to tell my kids. You know, I think I'm going to emphasize the use of their hands. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's a real... I I don't want to make that into a rule. I'm just saying like here's a way out that doesn't involve infections or Mm -hmm. kids and that that deals with the biology. I don't know that it's preferable. I mean, you know, in, in some way... The ideal of um, one sexual partner is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, there are risks and there are benefits associated with it, both.
2: Um, we you didn't know? touch this earlier, but I, I've said this for a really long time, that the concept of virginity is obviously, not obviously, but the concept of virginity in itself and the thing that can be taken and what it means. I'm technically, the, uh, that is all oh, such garbage, not destructive. Bad. Mm. If you're talking to yourself about your own virginity, stop. It's not. It's just stop that. Eliminate that. Just don't. He's like, well, I'm technically a virgin. I've been doing anal or whatever. Or I right, yeah. do, yeah. you know, we do whatever yeah. it is. Blowjobs Unlimited because I'm a virgin or something like yeah. that. That stuff is nonsense. And virginity is a thing that mostly applies to women that they can lose. And then it's a I mean, that's all so destructive. And yep. if you're trying to hold on to the fact that you're a technical virgin, just say you're not. Just, you're not. Just, you're yeah. not. You've done anything sexual. Okay. Th- forget the concept. Like I've kissed, some, just get rid of that concept if you can. It's a it's yeah. a real joke. It seems to me. Now, yeah. here's a question for everybody out there. Uh, you can pause and answer it. <laughs> here's your here's your question. Your you'll have a daughter. She will one day get married. Um, you just had to assign a number here. How many sexual partners would you like to have her, her to have in her lifetime? You can answer any way you like, but think about it for a second before you answer. And when I say sexual partners, I've eliminated the concept of virginity here. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm sa- I'm counting sexual experience broadly, like okay, not a kiss or a, a grab a boob or something, but you know. The only real um
0: the only so people feel free to pause and answer this first. Think about it before you just blurt yeah. out an answer though. My only real intuition is like not a ton. Okay. But I I think it's partly because um but I'm I'm trying to Think of it more holistically. If you end up having 50 sexual partners, um, what are the chances that you are running from something, that you are self-medicating in mm-hmm. some way? I mean, you know, I suppose that it's possible there are people that have that many that really it's not. They're right. not running from anything. Um, you know, but... Oxytocin is released in, in orgasm, and it does bind people together. These are the biological realities that I want to take really seriously yes. while rejecting Absolutely. purity culture. Yeah. So that's kind of my only real intuition. I would I would need to think more about—you um, didn't give me a break, so I didn't have time like the listeners. Uh, I'd need to think more about if how much I care if it's one or three or five, or if I wish that my wife had had
2: two or three Great others or Great way to look at that not, question, you know? yeah.
0: Uh, I don't know. I'm I mean, not, you waited, you are
2: sure. glad you waited or it wouldn't have mattered or what?
0: <sighs> that is, so I'll just, I'll use that as a way to get into talking about my own life with this. So like you said at the very beginning, I wasn't really thinking about this a year ago, even a year ago. Uh, and people started asking and I was like, well, okay, I know this woman in Seattle. I'll, I'll do an episode on it. I'll, I'll start thinking about it. But I had not been thinking about it. I've been married for almost 10 years and I thought, well, this hasn't really affected me. You know, I know mm-hmm. it affects people. But getting into conversations with my wife, it's like it has affected us in ways that weren't immediately clear to me that I'm not going to share for because that's private stuff. But like realizing, oh, it has affected both of us more than I thought it did. And, um, and so it's been really interesting. It's been interesting to go back through it. It takes time to think through these things. Am I glad that we waited? Um, you know, I, the hardest thing for me is to think about the days in the band. So uh-huh. now I'll get vulnerable. So I hooked up with a few girls in my touring days. We Sherwood was very much not that kind of a band. Um, I think I had the most of those experiences, which is still not that many, uh, because we were pretty squeaky clean. We were kind of like dads ahead of our time. Um, and back then, I assumed, I, I thought, I regret all of those. All of those were me. Uh, using my influence as a member of a band to like get something I wanted and not be willing to give them what they deserve, which is full commitment, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's how yeah, I thought of yeah, it. I see what you mean. And there was a part of me that was playing a game, playing a role, playing. But like, I also think back and I go, I think about some of those nights meeting those girls and, and getting excited. Yes. And there is a deadline; I have to be gone the next morning, so it's all sped up. But there was also genuine interest, and like, I really enjoyed them in the moment Mm -hmm. and there and like if i had met them back in california at home i probably would have asked them out like it you know what i mean so there was a part of it that was artificial because of being on tour i took that to be well therefore there can be nothing valuable here because i can't commit to them um and i wonder if i would have actually been less likely to be sexual with them
2: maybe if i just
0: didn't have that pressure of thinking well I guess I'm just trying to be sexual and get this out mm-hmm. of my system here. I'm going to be a dick anyway. I
2: might as well just be a dick. As opposed to like, yeah, that's you good. know, if
0: I if I had a chance of hanging out with them, I I would have done it differently. Let I, me I, let me know.
2: introduce another element to that that I think is hilarious and destructive that I can realize now. Same same for me. I hooked up yeah. with girls on on tour some at some point or whatever, but it was um I would say in a narcissistic egocentric way think thought along the lines of. Well, the thing I've really done wrong here is I wasn't interested in a deep relationship. That Mm -hmm. they—that's what they would have wanted—is to marry me, and I would have given. (laughs) That's what I was. I pretend I might have pretended like they could have a shot at me, and I would take care of them forever or something. But they didn't ever really have that shot, and that was a betrayal. But also, sometimes women want to hook up with you. Right, And that's, that doesn't mean you've just like, I've, I've harmed her because I've made her sullied and she couldn't right. have ever, and, she, and if I could have delivered yep. and been her husband and taken care of her, then maybe I could have made this right. But since yeah. I've been removed from the situation, clearly I have harmed her. That's not necessarily true. No.
0: And, and no, totally. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at the beginning of sort of thinking back through my initial reactions to any sexual experiences that I had that were definitely in, uh, Informed by purity culture, mm-hmm. um, and feeling like like I have anxiety issues I've had in my whole life, and I basically had anxiety every single time I ever kissed a girl until, uh, or even was starting to date a girl and hadn't kissed her yet until my wife, mm-hmm. and I I think that that was God intervening and being like, okay, Dan, I know what you're dealing with here, but like this one is a really good one, and I had this un unna- supernatural sense of peace insofar as. That is, was not my experience. I, every single morning after every successful romantic encounter for my entire life, I felt guilt and shame. I now would say anxiety. But mm-hmm. also it's some shame from the purity culture stuff. And now I'm looking back on it and going, well, if I had a 22-year-old son... Who met a brown-haired girl at a show in Cleveland, and they kind of went out and kissed a little bit. Did and stuff in the back seat would, of the car. Yeah, I would the, be and, like,
2: that makes sense. Hey, what
0: what can you learn? Yeah. Are you learning something about the kind of person you want to be? Don't with? lie to get her in the car. No, don't. Right, you know. Yeah, don't be deceptive. But like, you're both. You know, she's in college. You're in a band. You're both doing something here. You're figuring out who you are, yeah. and and like. I would just have so much less judgment on it now looking back. And this was, okay, so actually this was my first clue that purity culture was bullshit. And I don't know if you guys experienced this. Once I got married and talked to a bunch of my friends who had been married, and I was like, you know, are you guys glad you waited or did you have sex before or whatever? Almost to a person, it was like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal once they were married yeah. they did they no longer felt like it they're like yeah we waited but it wasn't a big deal or we didn't wait and it's fine or like yeah, i just yeah, kept yeah, getting yeah, that yeah. evidence yeah, from right. people who had actually made the transition but before it, it is it's, everything. It's ev-
2: everything yeah
0: and that was kind of and that so that's 10 years ago that's my first clue but i didn't really follow it
2: up until about a year ago so toby i've asked you this question before yeah i'll allow for it again i asked dan a second ago you had to step out but you get to decide how many sexual partners your daughter will have. Yeah, you can say
1: any number in the world. What's the number? Just lifetime. I assume uh, she gets married at some point. Whatever, but I mean, uh, obviously the answer is how many she wants. I I, I think that. Well, I, mean, uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, it's a reasonable answer to say one. I mean, it's that might be well, a good. That doesn't. I mean, if if that, one makes her really happy, then that's what I would want. I don't. I don't know if you need multiple partners to. Enjoy sex more, or understand sex more, mm-hmm. or anything like that. I, I think that, like you know, like we've been talking about, there's a real intimacy with sex, and there's even sometimes a goofiness with it that you're learning each other, and and you do you need know,
0: practice. It's right. not clear that you need practice with multiple partners, right?
1: Yeah, and learning each yeah. other and, and each other's wants and needs and desires and all that stuff and yeah. everything is really valuable. So I don't I don't know if it's a necessary. I don't like the idea here. Me going none or one only or ten. I don't know. I mean one is going to make me uncomfortable uh, me personally her, Wait, her dad are you
2: saying you will still have discomfort if she marries one man that you think is kind of a little bit of a shithead and the fact that you know that she's having sex with him is still going to bother you it could, like even yeah. when she is married. It, yeah, I, mean, still, I see the knowledge see He's boning she's her. She's always just going to be my little girl. <laughs> and I was like, man, she married that guy, or or that that. Yeah, but you would never,
0: that. you would never want your wife's dad to feel that way about her. You know, what I mean, like you can't really universalize it.
2: But I can't control what he thinks about sure. me either. So, but, you, yeah. but I'm saying that's an honest answer and a fine one. But you're saying even if she marries a pretty awesome guy and they have a good marriage, it, there's some element that will bother you. That well, he's, well, how about that this? To would, I, would I rather ha-
1: her have a guy that I don't really like, and they are the only that's the only guy she ever had sex with? with or would I rather sleep with 10 guys and number 10 ended up being really fucking cool that, that, oh, I mean yeah. however so that you don't know out. what it's
0: gonna you don't know what it's gonna be like just from the number if, yes. if that if it was 10 right. and that was how it was 10 and 10 was the that's right, the rat right. dude you right. take that because over yes. one and a right. five out of ten we've pass. got yeah. statistics
2: on okay so for, first of all here's another huge outcome of purity culture early poorly selected Marriages oh, yeah. that end in all Bible, kind of horror. Bible college
0: right. and Christian undergrad young marriages have a higher. Divorce you get married at nineteen because
2: you've got to fuck something. Yep, yep. Right. Oh, yeah. and then and that's not a way. Well, best so way to choose a partner. I,
0: my wife and I, I knew I was going to marry her gratefully, and I'm glad I did, and I should have. We should have waited and had our wedding like four months later. Uh, I wasn't going to wait. Once I knew we were getting married, hell no, I'm waiting right. till the spring. We're doing this thing in the fall. Right. And that put some pressure on her and her parents to like plan this thing really quickly. And we had to do it on uh Thanksgiving weekend. A bunch yep. of people couldn't come. They had more right. expensive flights. But I could not imagine we'll just have sex. Those marriages have higher divorce and cheating rates
2: that that are founded. I mean, you know, yeah. you got the people that are most obsessed with sex getting married the earliest with the least sure. discretion yeah. of who to marry because mm-hmm. they have a high sex drive. N- now put them into their middle age. they have no experience they've lived only with this one asshole that they married just because they needed to have sex with something and they were trying to get it done fast and make their daddy happy and every other thing and then these same people that probably have high sex drives are now unhappy at age 29 or 35 and they've they know that they've missed. Out. They feel deeply that they've missed out on something. Yeah, I mean, it's a horrible. If you find yourself fame. in that
0: situation, though, I mean, it's not clear what to do because there is something really sacred and beautiful about marriage, and there's something really important about public commitments. And society does break down if people can't keep their commitments to each
2: well, other. Well, I say stay married to that person if you're married to them. and also remember the people that waited till they got married. It fucking sucked too. <laughs> <laughs> right. they, they still, those people waited till they got married, right. and they have bad sex lives too because of they waited sometimes not and yeah. some 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 people it's a perfect strategy but yeah. that's it's not one size fits all yeah it's really i mean it's
0: really fascinating stuff dude it's it's been really weird to like bring this back up and i think also too like you know i never got the sex talk in my family um and a lot of people don't get it when they have evangelical parents it's just uncomfortable and i didn't grow up in a house where it was normal to talk about sex and one of the things that tina sellers uh, in the first purity culture episode we did, she says the the research is is really robust. Like you should talk regularly with your kids, just briefly about sex the whole time they're growing up, basically. Yeah, if like you have one hundred one minute conversations, is the is the not it's not really that, but that's like a way of thinking about it. Then it then they will come to you with questions about it rather than just guessing mm-hmm. and perhaps making huge mistakes, and they will actually have sex later. And they'll have a
2: better relationship. They'll with have it parents. later because you understand. I, yeah. I start with bees and pollination, and yeah. then get to cows, and eventually they'll, they'll understand or figure out about humans. Yeah. But I don't see. Yeah. I just don't think starting with human sexuality is what. Sure. I well, think talking to your kids about sex in the animal kingdom. Good start, right? That's right. Good, yeah. Like, why I, just take all the crazy energy out of what's going to happen to my vagina? Like, yeah. Not, we don't need to focus on that. Let's just talk about how <laughs> you know how species work. Yeah. But, uh, Dan, thank you for doing this, and for doing the, all the work you do on your show it's you have permission. everybody needs to go subscribe right now. uh you do so many topics in depth with, to this detail with yeah. experts. Then yeah. you learn a lot, then you come tell us, <laughs> yeah, and then second yeah. I get to speculate for a few minutes and yeah, people, it's, it's, it's a fun. really, really nice uh way to approach some of these topics, but to go right to your podcast is what I recommend everybody do. It's growing it's doing really well. It's you have permission with Dan Koch. You can find it anywhere. And I hope you'll come back and do this for us some more. Of
0: course. Thanks for having me.
2: Thanks, Dan. All right. Join the BC Club in the meantime. We put out an episode yesterday and the day before. We're putting out one tomorrow and the next put them day. Out all the time. And only the people in the BC Club get those episodes. And uh, not only that, the BC Club is a community. We use a Discord server and we have a Facebook group. And that's how we take the pulse yeah. of the people. That's mm-hmm. how we, that's, that's what just kind of the, I consider that my, in some way social group or something. Like I've had a high school, then I was in this band scene. And now the things I'm absorbing, what, regardless of my participation level, the things I'm absorbing are from like the Facebook groups from labeled and bad Dude, Christian. And, so and you have permission and they're all I'm really that as me. well.
0: That like, that's a new thing for me is like, Oh, these are my people. Cause mm-hmm. we have one as well. We have a Facebook group for just patrons of the show. And like, There are some awesome people. They are thinking like whatever Mm -hmm. they're thinking through is what other people are thinking through, and it's kind of hive mind.
2: And it's safer, but it's also your aunt and uncle on Facebook and weirdos that you don't really
0: know from high school. Much safer, and some friendships are developing there. And uh, it's it's one of the things I didn't really expect. I, I knew I'd like making the show. I didn't know how valuable that online community would become to me but I, I i sort of knew to expect it because of the experience that you guys had had
2: yeah i've been that way with labeled and with this it's just i mean i thought i knew some stuff i wanted to do but as it turns out oh i don't need to know i just need to be present and in and we're just ah, like there like it's so clear i was trying to make for instance labeled for so long try to figure out how to do it and will i just listen put everybody in one group and let them talk and they go oh these are the things It makes so much sense.
0: And that's where the purity culture episodes came from, by the way, was people asking for it was so many people asked. I was like, okay, this is obviously a thing. And then I learned a ton
3: Mm -hmm. and
0: now I, then I, so that was the original one from five months ago or four months ago, whatever. And then I was like, I got to do another one with this woman, Linda, whose book is awesome. Like I got, I dove in, they, they, because it was like oh there's actually something fascinating here and I there's more to do mm-hmm. but I it wasn't my idea speaking
1: That's- of people that help us uh, here's some BC Club members we read your name when you join the club Greg Lodrup, Caleb Massey Tina Rosano Drew Digert, Galen Sylvia and Jared Stringham so thank you all for supporting us and supporting what we do go check out Dan's podcast uh, you have permission and uh, we will see y'all in the future maybe mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, yeah. Have like to hit by a bus. Is that, is that the big takeaway? <laughs> have have is unlimited. Have We're gonna go with unlimited
2: I'm not, sex. Not saying now. that. I'm not saying that.